Hello, everyone, and welcome to I Think, Therefore I Fan, a pop culture and philosophy podcast. On this podcast, we'll explore the most compelling philosophical themes as we find them in all of everyone's favorite fandoms. We are your hosts. I'm Dr. Richard Green. And I'm Dr. Rachel Robison Green. Thanks for joining us. So um, this episode, we're talking about um, something that most of the time is is happy and upbeat, and that is comedy, right? We're going to look at the, the philosophy of comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not the happiest of occasions, right? We were, we were motivated to do this um, because a, a great comedian, Norm MacDonald, passed away a week or so ago. Um, yeah. Somebody that we saw um, not too long ago. ago. Yeah, a down years in ago. Salt Lake City. He, uh, at a comedy club, did a great set. Um, it was um, loads of fun and, and um, sort of up to his cred, in my opinion, right? I, I always liked him. I saw him live and thought, wow, this, this guy's um, really got a lot going on. Um, so we thought we'd use the occasion to, to talk about um, you know, all sorts of things that are philosophically interesting pertaining to comedy. Uh, before we do that, um, we have a promo from a, a podcast that I've been on, um, Good is in the Details, and um, Gwen Dulski, the host of it, um, one of the hosts, has been on our podcast a couple of times. So um, we, we told her we would um, play this for her, and um, so give it a listen, consider going to that podcast. And then we'll be right back. You guys are really good at going into details, you know. Good is in the details, the podcast where we invite experts on to learn what we didn't know we didn't know in the spirit of Socrates, hosted by Dr. Gwendolyn Dalski and Rudy Salo. We are really in control of our experience, right? You can follow people and make you feel bad about yourself. You can follow people and make you feel good about yourself. That's a great question. I think, you know, this year. She loves that. So, you know what? Okay, so I'm going to jump into this family squabble here. Please. Uh, and I mean, I might even push back a little bit. It's so much fun to talk to both of you. Our conversation always goes somewhere that's like unexpected and really fun. Find good is in the details on Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, that podcast is a lot of fun. We really recommend it. And we, we've we uh, interacted with Gwendolyn a lot, including here on this podcast. She's been a guest yeah, at two, least once. I thought, twice. Yeah, more than once, but right? Two times in our From the PCA series. Right. We see her yeah. or virtually see her at the PCA. Right, right. <laughs> and um, Rudu Salo, her co-host, is hilarious. Um, he, he had me in stitches the whole interview I did with him. So Yeah, so check it out. Check it out. And in fact, you know, we're doing a podcast about comedy today. I think that they, they've had at, at least one podcast about comedy as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember the first time I met Gwendolyn, she was doing a presentation on philosophy and comedy and uh, was talking about uh, I Love Lucy. Uh-huh. Remember that? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That, that was a good talk. That was yeah. also at the PCA. Yeah. Cool. All right. Speaking of comedy. Well, so uh, comedy has kind of had a bad rap. In uh, in the history of philosophy, 
Yeah, yeah. So, I've gotten a bad rap. I think I mixed my metaphors there, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, so, um, you know, when being philosophical, blame Plato, right? Is this, yeah. is this the, the earliest of the, the bad raps? Well, I, I, I can't make a claim to know whether it's the earliest, but... Yeah. Having taught the pre-Socratics a lot and been through the fragments, yeah. I don't think there's anything prior to the bits in, in Plato um, in the Republic... And Plato wasn't just critical of comedy, but it was just one of the forms of art about which he was critical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was like Mikey from the Life commercials. He, he hated everything. He was the anti-Mikey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mikey ended up liking the, the, the life. So. Yeah, in fact, there was a Mikey joke on on the Norm show. So we've been, since Norm MacDonald died, we've been kind of binging whatever's on Netflix <clears throat> and they had a guy on there, a country singer, that they compared to Mikey with when it came to drugs, because they, oh, they said yeah. when he was when he was young, people Billy would Joe say, Shaver, right? "Yeah, Billy Joe Shaver." He they they'd say, "Give it to Billy Joe. He'll he'll try anything." Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I've also been um, binging YouTube videos when you're not around. So we've watched uh-huh. the specials that are available. The Norm Show and some good good bits on like Letterman and yeah yeah like and then yeah. just tons of, of YouTube yeah. videos and it was very sad um, it's a yeah. sad occasion he had cancer for the better part of a decade and yeah. you know we, we we saw him in Salt Lake and he didn't tell us which I you know how I, dare he now, now I'm mad at him yeah. um, lie by omission yeah okay so what's what's Plato's take here well what's I mean, his just beat? kind of general take is there's certain there's an ideal state, which I revisited the Republic recently. And I think that the first couple of times I read the Republic, I, uh, I didn't realize how awful the platonic state is, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. how awful and oppressive and uh, whatever. Right. But so, so different people have different natural places in the, in the, in the platonic mm-hmm. Yeah, the rulers, the auxiliaries, the workers, everybody does what they're best suited for. And art and poetry and comedy and those sort of things can be used to manipulate in bad ways and they get in the way and they distract and they prevent people from being good at what they're good at. So basically they they stop the philosopher kings from putting out whatever message the philosopher kings want out controlling narratives, getting people to do what they want to do, and, and so forth, right? They, they oppose the rational state. I guess so, yeah, which just seems, I mean, it uh, it seems clear, although this can't, we'll talk about this, but this can't be the only role for comedy. It seems clear that comedy plays a really important role in our psychological lives. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I remember during the pandemic, at times just really needing comedy, there's the catharsis that comes with comedy. So we've talked about a bunch of, as a result of watching a bunch of comedy during the pandemic, we've talked about a lot of it here on the podcast. And, um, oh, and now I'm blanking. <clears throat> Who's the guy that made the, oh, Bo, Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham, yeah, um, right. You know, there was, a, there was a lot of catharsis in watching that and laughing about the existential terror that was the pandemic. The, the sheltering that in continues place. continues to be, but right. especially but the, wasn't When we were all sheltering in place in particular. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and related to that, the things that, that, for example, that Bill Burnham was saying in that special are things that you can't just come out and say otherwise, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, you're, you're welcome to, right? We live in a society where there's free speech, but 
were he to put yeah. together the say, by the way, here was my experience during the, the pandemic and just, you know, do a TED talk or something about just how awful he felt for mm -hmm. 15 months. Yeah. Nobody would care. Nobody would listen. Right. Yeah. The comedy is the vehicle by which, um, you know, you, you get ugly messages out. Right. It's, you know, it's a spoonful of sugar. Right. You have to sort of feed the existential dread to yeah. people. Right. So, so just back to Plato really quick. Um, there, there was a, a comedy group um, some years back called the Kings of Comedy. And now I'm thinking about the philosopher Kings of Comedy. <laughs> and, and that sounds better to me than just philosopher Kings. And I've always been a fan of the philosopher King idea. Um, if only because I'm a philosopher. People find us insufferable. They'd find that insufferable. Not if we were the philosopher kings of comedy. No, right? that's what I mean. It would be even worse. If you, no, they would, they would be <laughs> laughing so hard they wouldn't know how bad it is, right? And think of all the, the great comedians that are actually sort of horrible at comedy and have horrible ideas and people just love them, right? Because, you know, they, they tell you from now on you're going to have less money and your lives are going to be horrible. But then someone hits them in the face with a pie and... Um, you know, everybody goes, ah, that's yeah, great. Think, think of all the times I, where that happened. I, I sure look, look like, um, you know, the, the Borscht Belt comedians were an awful lot of doom and gloom, um, but just sort of wrapped up in all this kind of slapstick and, uh, you know. Like, well, so I'm being critical of philosophers, but uh, I actually think that a lot of comedians have a philosophical spirit. I mean, a lot of them ha explicitly have a philosophical background. Yeah. Was it Steve Martin has a philosophy degree? Yeah, and uh, he was a writer for the Smothers Brothers show, and um, Tommy Smothers also from that show, or yeah. um, had backgrounds in philosophy, and you know, um, some portion of the people in Monty Python had degrees, but they were all extremely well versed, mm -hmm. right? Mostly in sort of recent continental philosophy. You know, the, it's the, the comedy troupe that knew it's Hegel and Heidegger better than than most philosophy students do. Mm -hmm. so. Well, I think it helps to have an understanding of the absurd, right? Uh, I mean, there, that, that, there might seem to be an equivocation there because in existential sense, the absurd means something different than like, waka waka, you know, yeah, like yeah. That, that kind of absurd. I, I just, I, for our <laughs> listeners, um, you know, you get the waka waka thing and it, it sounded funny, but you should have seen the thing she was doing with her hands. <laughs> And the expression on her face. I swear to God, I thought she was Fozzie Bear for <laughs> for a couple of seconds there. Can, can you do that again? No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, it, I, I mean, I think it helps. Yeah. Rewatching the Norm MacDonald stuff, you see some, like, clever philosophical ideas make their way into jokes. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, and then just tying it to the absurd, right? So, you know, you get this idea of the absurd in Camus, and, you know, it's decidedly not the absurdity of a pie in the face, but it's the absurdity of, you know, living a life. And, yeah. um, you know, it, when you have a universe that's sort of completely indifferent, right? right. It, it's, it almost turns into, you know, something pretty close to just nihilism. Which um, already encourages yeah. irony in your observations about life anyway. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, famously Camus' solution to that um, is to become an absurd hero, right? Think mm -hmm. the myth of Sisyphus. Sisyphus mm -hmm. just makes that his own. Um, comedians, at least certain of comedians, and, and maybe a you know huge um, subset of them, uh, are doing exactly that. I mean, yeah, they, I think that's know, right. They are absurd yeah. heroes in the in the existentialist sense, not the pie in the face sense. Mm -hmm. um, maybe a little of both. 
Yeah, column, I mean, a little from column A, a little from column B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just you know you, you just realize how absurd life is, and then you say, mm -hmm. okay, my you know um, ethic of quantity is going to be more silliness than you can handle, <laughs> right? I'm thinking like somebody like Robin Williams, right? Who you know did it all with a you know touch of um, you know poignancy or something mm -hmm. as well, but um, mm -hmm. just silliness to the absurd for no reason other than to just be silly. I mean, that, yeah. that is Camus. Right, yeah, I, I like ab that. Absurd yeah, I think hero. that's right, I think that's right. It'd be a good good model to identify that, you know, Camus himself identifies like the lover and the conqueror and the actor. So he gets close when he talks about the actor, but I think a comedian's maybe even a better example of his own point <laughs> than yeah, yeah. the ones that he raised. Well, and if we can, if we can tie this back into Norm MacDonald. So the, the, the standard Norm MacDonald shtick is to tell a joke that's very much a, a child's joke. <laughs> that, hey, you want to hear a dirty joke? Johnny fell in the mud. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And then to explain it. And sometimes <laughs> to explain. This is your stick too, man. Yeah, and, and I'd start doing it before I knew about Norm MacDonald, but I suspect he beat me to it. But anyway, to, to explain it maybe once or twice. I mean, this is, you know, not to think the joke is funny. This is to think the process of telling a joke that's, one kind of stupid and very obvious and two very obvious <laughs> and then explaining it and and committing to that time mm -hmm. and time and time again over maybe a 40 or 50 year career <laughs> um that's that's an absurd hero right i mean he is pushing that i'm going to explain this joke rock up to the top <laughs> of the hill and watching it roll back down and doing it again <laughs> um yeah it's a perfect um norm mcdonald's is sort of a perfect fit for what Camus is admonishing. <laughs> We're advising. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. So, yeah, so so back to this idea of the, the role of comedy. Um, so, like, people can't... Let's even, let's even imagine for a moment, although I think this is a horrible, horribly, like, um, instrumental way of thinking about human beings, but let's just imagine for a moment that people play certain roles in their society and that it's good that they play these roles. I mean, people can't play roles. They can't do what they're, you know, what they've signed on to do without also being able to have some levity and like being a human being and having some psychological health. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, comedy really contributes to that. So, you know, you laugh and there are endorphins released, right? You're just, you are as a matter of, chemical composition going to feel happier yeah, when yeah. laughing. I mean, the USU honors department has these like laugh sessions. I, oh really? Yeah. Yeah. I get these invitations to essentially invitations to laugh from USU honors. It's great. Who, who, who's leading the laughter? Group? I should know, but I don't uh, I have to, I've never been to one. I've been a little anxious because of the pandemic, but I might start going. I think they it's pretty comedians? cool. Comedians are they showing a Laurel and Hardy movie or? No, I think it's a faculty member. Uh -huh. But I mean, I think that's great. I mean, I think that's this conscious effort to say, students' lives will be better if they take a minute to laugh. So that's the anti-platonic view of the value of comedy. So, now that said, um, so you go in there and they tell the moth joke and then they explain it and then the kids laugh and they leave. Prob probably not that way. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great joke. Um, Google it. Norm <laughs> MacDonald, the moth joke. It's the greatest joke ever told. Is that the same moth joke you used to tell me? 
Yeah, but I got it from from Norm Macdonald. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so anyway, um, I, I was just gonna raise the fact though that uh, though we may it, it may be uh, pretty obvious to say that comedy is good in our lives because so it's a, it's it's part of the good life I think comedy is part of the good life, but that's clearly not what it always is, which is interesting. Comedy is a form of art, and it it's not always designed to make people happy exactly. In the same way that visual art or sculpture is not always designed to be aesthetically pleasing. Sometimes art is ugly. Sometimes it's weird. Um, so you get all these conversations in aesthetics about what is art and what kind of um, responses are apt to art. Uh, yeah, and there's a couple of ways that, that it's not always to make you laugh. Um, sometimes you, you have these artists, again, the Bo Burnham example is just great, where... He wants you to, to have a strong emotional reaction that might involve some chuckling along the way, mm-hmm. right? But you, he wanted you to share his, he wanted to share his experience, right? His kind of dread. And so that's, that's art, you know, like you say, art serves different functions to, to get you to feel a certain way. Um, sometimes comedy is just mean and hateful and hurtful, right? Mm-hmm. And this is not when it's at its best. Um, and I'm talking about professional comedy, but just also... You know, people sometimes say funny things specifically to hurt people. So, you know, it's it's not just this, huh, comedy is this little thing off to the side and you get a check line. You know, the the whole thing about, you know, kids can be so cruel, but I think it carries over into, you know, with some adults. They just um, will will tell a joke designed to cut someone to the quick. Sure. And in the history of philosophy from Plato through to like medieval philosophers, a lot of the, the criticisms that they're raising of of comedy is uh, that it's used to hurt people mm-hmm. and used to poke fun at people and yeah, so can can be a bad thing. I'm also thinking of absurd absurdist humor um, that, like Andy Kaufman, is the first person to pop mm-hmm. to mind, pop into mind. Where it often seemed that Andy Kaufman was the 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 humor he was engaging in was was for him. Yeah, yeah. There, there was the biopic, um, Man on the Moon. Uh, Man on the Moon. Yeah, and so he's, you know, once in he's there with his um, writing partner um, Bob Zemuda, and his manager George Shapiro comes in and says, "You guys are only telling jokes for each other, right?" It seemed <laughs> sort of pretty clear that you know they had this sort of meta level view of one of their bits. They think it's funny to be the guy doing a certain bit. That's not funny. <laughs> so, for example, in Andy Kaufman's TV special where he had the, the television's um, malfunction. Back in the old days before everything was digital, there was this thing called vertical hold. And the, the TV would sort of roll up like a reel, the picture, right? And this line would keep going up and the bottom of the picture would go to the top of the screen and a new one would pop in. And it would be faster and slower and you'd have to go manually adjust that. And, um, you know, so he, he did this... this um, routine that wasn't particularly funny um, where they built into it the vertical hold was messing up so people all over America would go to their televisions and try to fix it they'd be hitting the side of the TV and thinking they need a new television and it was all just done in pre-production um, or during production and that was the, the example of you know this guy telling a joke for himself he thought it would be funny mm. to see him 
playing this joke on American viewers. The, right? the, the joke wasn't for the viewers at all. And it wasn't, like, if they found it out, they probably would have been like, oh. What a like, joke. Like, the, it, like, it wasn't funny. It was just weird. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, the, the, the wrestling women thing, right? He thought that was hilarious because he was playing this character of this guy who thought it was funny. I, you know, he kind of took on a sexist persona and I can beat any woman and ha, ha, ha. And wouldn't it be funny if there was someone like that? And then lots of women could beat him. And that was part of the joke. He's like, you know, he had all this um, bravado that was just false. And, and he thought, oh, it's funny to have this character with all this false bravado. Mm-hmm. Where mostly people were sitting around going, I don't understand this bit. I don't yeah. know why it's funny. Because they weren't thinking, oh, Andy's amusing himself, right? If you, mm-hmm. if you think of the comedy as for the, the listener or the viewer or the reader, you know, whatever the format is. Yeah. Um, you'd never find what what was supposed to be humorous about it. Yeah, one of the one of Norm's guests, I can't remember if it was this the same cowboy guy, what is his name? Billy Joe Shaver. Billy Joe Shaver. Yeah. Um, that said, well comedians are just professional liars. Or actors are professional liars. Yeah, that, the intersection. That was Shaver, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, like uh, uh, that in a way, like what was so funny about or what, the, what it seems like what they found funny about that bit is just that they were lying in a way that was so weird that the audience wouldn't be likely to be on to it and they just found their own lie amusing yeah look at us we lie ha 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 yeah yeah, yeah then, and then of course there's this other form of comedy that's that's not absurdist or just done for the the, the people involved but um, uh, that's social commentary that is uncomfortable um comedy yeah uh, the great tradition of the political for example comedian that's mm-hmm. out there there's what's happening to our country because of this person's actions and you laugh and he's like ah <laughs> some yeah. doom involved uh, yeah we i mean we've seen um like biopics we saw that biopic of dick gregory mm-hmm. that was or it wasn't even a biopic it was just a documentary yeah it's a documentary yeah um and uh then there was um, oh man he was good yeah, a yeah. Re- really interesting documentary too. Really of course, Lenny Bruce. Um, Lenny Bruce. Was, uh, the, the biopic about him. Yeah, um, and then and then the, you know someone who made the news for their their bit last year was um, Dave Chappelle and mm-hmm. his um, Saturday Night Live open. Yeah, and, and I mean, which was like a gut punch. Like, whoa! Some ways as good as comedy gets. Though. Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. The most profound of I don't know. He went for a long time, eight minutes or eleven minutes. But I was also but, feeling a little uncomfortable the whole time. But that, that's exactly what he was trying to do. I think they were supposed to be feeling uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he and he took a lot of heat for it. Um, and as a lot of people were applauding it, um, yeah, because he went out on the comedy show and didn't just. You know, I mean, Saturday Night Live started with Chevy Chase pretending to be Gerald Ford and falling off a ladder, right? And mm-hmm. this was the, the cold opening of, of the show that did not involve any pratfalls. It was, it was just mm-hmm. somebody bluntly with some jokes telling it how it is. And it wasn't pretty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and very hard to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I, so, you know, um, understatement of the century. But comedy is brilliant. So when I was younger, I know... a. I spent a lot of time with my friends talking about whether we thought, you know, comedy was sort of a lesser art form to drama, you know. The, the, oh, you brother. Know. I think comedy's way harder. Yeah, well, yeah, just, that's a good point, right? Yeah. Um, what was the, the old cliche, right? 
dying is easy, comedy is hard. Or oh, I know. Every actor's thing. But yeah, I was thinking, you know, like, well, what's what's the most important, you know, stuff we have? And he said, well, it's you know, Tolstoy and Dostoevsky and mm-hmm. Shakespeare, you know, these things that are all kind of very serious. The, the serious movie almost always wins the Academy Award for Best Picture. And Although, you know, winning that award probably almost certainly means that you weren't the best picture that year. Um, Parasite might be an exception. But, um, yeah, comedy is kind of the, you know, the, the, the goofy kid brother of that. Um, but when I think about the role it plays in society, um, you know, I, I think like the very best dramas are, they get you thinking. And more often than not, they're just kind of manipulative. And um, there's, there's something more pure, I think, about good comedy. Um, pure, you must mean pure art or something. A pure, yeah, yeah. Because uh, nine times out of ten, it's not pure. In the, in the... Oh yeah, no, I don't mean in that sense. <laughs> and also, I don't think most comedy is good. I mean, this is this yeah. is a big problem with it. You know, you, you go watch a, um, you know, go to a comedy club for a night, um, and you see four or five different comedians, including the person that's that's. Um, you know, the MC, but also gets to do a little small set in between each act. Um, and most of the time, at least in my opinion, I think, oh, that's not very funny. You know, mm-hmm. um, for a while, everybody was doing observational humor. You know, why is it that you put, you know, two socks in the dryer and only one comes mm-hmm. out? What's up with that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. um, it's, sometimes that can be really good, that kind of stuff. But. Yeah. And then some comedians, um, Oh, who's the guy from Full House? Bob um, Saget. Bob, Bob Saget. Yeah, I mean, his shtick for the longest time was just to be way filthier than you expected Danny Tanner to be, <laughs> you know. And Which is a huge shocker to someone who grew up with Full House and didn't know anything about Bob Saget as a comedian. Yeah, yeah, until yeah. Because it's just... <laughs> like, what? Really, <laughs> yeah. really, you know, filthy. And um, the first couple times you check, well, then it's like, oh, that's all there, there is to this routine. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you got all these guys. Everybody sort of loves um, Lewis Black. Um, but he's a one trick pony. He's the angry man. You know, he's sort of doing George Carlin's bit, but not nearly as well. Um, later, George Carlin, where he's just yelling a lot. You know, oh, this guy's angry. Boy, look, his, his face is turning red. You know, his hair standing up. He's screaming so loud. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, most, most of the time when you, when you see a comedian, you just think, eh. That's it, it's not that great, um, but the ones that are really good, you know, are you know like Norm Macdonald, are just absolutely incredible. Well, I think it, you know I I did some acting when I was younger, and the the I could do the dramas all day long and feel totally comfortable, but um, when I needed to do like Neil Simon, like uh, some some comedy, I would always be like, mm-hmm. "Whoa, I wonder if I can pull this off." Because I wonder if I can be funny. Mm-hmm. Like it's uh, it's I find it considerably considerably more intimidating to be told go out there and be funny. Yeah, that's funny because you're pretty funny now. You're you're funnier than when I met you. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to think you were kind of funny then, <laughs> and now I think you're you're hilarious lots of the time. Um, would you say that this is sort of a, a fair thing to say? Um, over time, you and I have gravitated more to comedy shows when we're just watching TV mm-hmm. in the evening, zoning out. Um, so we used to almost never watch um, 
a comedy, but we might go see one in the theater if it's something to mm -hmm. get really excited about. Um, mm -hmm. And now we're we're kind of a good 50-50. All right, we'll watch our, our horror things. Now we'll put on some comedy thing. Um, well, so, yeah, that's because as your student observed by giving you that little plaque that said that we're dead inside now. Oh, yeah. We need to be you know, revived by comedy. Any more of the, we don't need more of what caused the illness. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we definitely upped our game during the, the time of the pandemic. And, and as we keep pointing out, it's still going on. And will for the next thousand years. Um, but even before that, I thought we were, you know, more apt to go see, um, you know, a movie about Laurel and Hardy or, you know, mm -hmm. Step Brothers 2 or Electric Boogaloo or whatever that was <laughs> than, than, than we were when we were younger. Yeah, that's right. So, I think there's a certain value, too, in comedy of being able to laugh at ourselves, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so we talked about the, kind of the cathartic value of comedy and the way that comedy can bring about social change or get us to think about important social issues. But sometimes we take ourselves too seriously and we've got egos that are way too large. And yeah. it's important to just like laugh at how seriously we take ourselves. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm like a pinball machine bouncing back and forth between ego out of control and imposter syndrome. <laughs> and so comedy moves me back in one of those, um, one of those directions. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a important function. Of comedy as well which you know again sort of plays into the argument is it a lesser form well what are the things that it's it's doing for us right so mm -hmm. again reading Dostoevsky gets you to think about the big picture um, that's good I don't know that that's any more important than helping to regulate our emotional well-being mm -hmm. you know keeping things yeah. in check and in, in that sort of way yeah but yeah I, I think it serves this role of um, might even kind of when we're poking fun at ourselves, I'm thinking of like, or we're ha others are poking fun at us. I'm thinking about roasts mm -hmm. and it's roasts are, you never do a roast of like the homeless guy on the corner, right? Yeah. Like that, that would be cruel. Right. So you, it's you always like a punching up situation. You don't roast your grandmother. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. You do, you do a roast of someone who's been very successful, right? Mm -hmm. Or I'm thinking about like the White House Correspondents Dinner. Right, right. If um, you can take it. Yeah, and that's the the correspondence dinner is sort of generally a very good example of that it, i could think of one counter example to this um and let me back up a little bit i was in new york one time for a philosophy conference and um my friend john collins and i were um there um sharing a, a hotel room and there was this huge nor'easter and so basically we were stuck in the hotel all day except for um Twice that same day, we went to the Carnegie Deli for lunch and dinner because <laughs> it was around the corner. We just tromped through the snow. But as we were sitting in this hotel, um, C-SPAN or somebody was playing all the correspondence dinners. Oh, that wow. They had. Was, oh, wow. That'd be like, interesting to see. In 15 row. hours of these things. You yeah. know? Al Franken was the comedian for a couple of them. was just absolutely hilarious. And it was a great time. We just sat there laughing all day. Um, and there's a real contrast between that kind of roast um, you know, where everybody sort of knows what's coming. The comedians don't shoot too low. I'll, I'll get to the counter example in a moment. Um, and, and it's all sort of in good spirit, but there's something kind of real about it too. It's like, oh, hey, yeah, we're laughing at this policy decision you made, but you didn't make that decision. And, mm -hmm. you know, and now we all have to live with it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the contrast is with, you know, these Comedy Central roasts that, in my opinion, just, 
they're, they tend to not be very funny. And they're cringy and, a lot of the time. And, yeah, I kind of like and they're, squirm and ah, I can't watch this. The, 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 the jokes tend to not be about the people they're roasting as much as just saying the most over-the-top thing. Who yeah. can, you know. So it's, it's an opportunity for the comedians to try out mm-hmm. their chops. The, the famous counterexample um, to this is when Clinton was president and it was um, during you know, the end of his presidency around the time of the impeachment. And Don Imus was the comedian, and Hillary's sitting there next to Bill, and he did a, a series of jokes about Bill's affair with Monica Lewinsky. Oh, and nobody laughed, and, you know, Hillary looked mortified, and rightly so. It was mm. the most awkward, uncomfortable. It's like, oh, okay, you can, you can talk about, you know, um, so-and-so's bot trip to the Ukraine or something, but, mm-hmm. you know, to bring up their extramarital affairs in front of their partner. When it had just recently happened. It seems like yeah. what, ah. what's maybe gone wrong there is, um, you know, that you're supposed to be roasting the, the powerful person. And then all yeah. of a sudden, even though Hillary Clinton is also a powerful person, all of a sudden you're punching down. Because at least in that context, yeah, yeah. Hillary Clinton is an abused woman in that situation. Right. And, so. and she was the first lady. She hadn't become a U.S. senator yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and it still, it's been very powerful since the Watergate investigation. But yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was it was yeah. a cheap dig at someone who's not supposed to be the target. Um, but but generally, these things are great. I be, You know, um, you want the president to get up and laugh at themselves and to... And hopefully it inspires just another kind of philosophical thing, which is introspection and reflection Ref- about your own behavior. Yeah, like right, right. knowing thyself. Yeah. Okay, right. What are we liking this week? Well, my favorite thing that we've been watching lately is Midnight Bass. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's so good. So that's from Mike Flanagan. Um, who, who did The Haunting of Bly Manor and Haunting of Hill House, Hill House which yeah. I also loved, both of those. And lots of the regulars that, <laughs> that he cast. Um, so not part of that that series, but um, absolutely fantastic. So what are we, four episodes in? Four of eight? So, yeah. Or four uh, of seven? I just love it. We're about halfway through. Um, yeah, we don't, it's brand new. We don't want to spoil any of it other Very than creative. to say this is the most fun horror thing in a good while, maybe mm-hmm. since Haunting of Hill House, at least as far as you know, Netflix yeah. horror fair goes. So I encourage that. Um, more horror. Um, we talked about this already a little bit, but um, we wrapped up the first half of this season's um, double feature on American Horror Story, right? So the season has a eight-episode um, storyline that just wrapped up and then another one coming. I don't know if it'll mm-hmm. also be eight episodes. So they're doing a, a, a twofer. And, um, uh, and it's the best one, I think, for, for many seasons. Yeah, of, of, yeah. Of for me, ages. probably going back to um, Hotel. Yeah. Maybe. I liked it better than Hotel. Yeah, maybe but. going back to Freak Show or something. Then Only Murders in the Building. Yeah. Um, I always call that <laughs> by the wrong name. I even typed it on my notes by the wrong name. I know. I was like oh. drawing lines with my fingers. <laughs> it's not. This is not what it's called. Uh, yeah, so we've got like, um, so we did episode seven. So there's like three episodes left. We'll see how that wraps up. Um, it's um, quite popular on Hulu, doing well. So um, since we've talked about comedians, it's, it's sort of nice to see 
Steve Martin and Martin Short back in the, the limelight after lots of things, in my opinion, that were just sort of flat or duds, including their comedy special last year, uh, An Evening You'll Forget for the Rest of Your Life. Um, it's not the greatest thing ever. Um, it's just entertaining but, and but fun. Pretty fun, yeah. Um, All we, the people in it are worth watching. And, yeah. We wrapped up Nine Perfect Strangers, and we, we've already talked about that quite a bit. I'll, I'll just say that the ending left me really... Mm unsatisfied yeah. mm-hmm. not that i thought it was all that great all along it was you know it was good it was actors cool. good things about it yeah and then uh, finally the thing that um everybody's talking about we've only watched the first episode uh, but i'm excited to watch the rest of it um and that's the squid game right I and mean, this is poised to be netflix's most popular original show ever which is weird which very is weird kind of shocking yeah weird because it's a weird show but also, you know, it's got weird production value and the whole thing. <laughs> it's just, dubbed. And, yeah. yeah. It's, it's dubbed and it looks like it wasn't filmed with the best cameras, right? Yeah. It doesn't, yeah. you know, it's, um, I, I feel like I could have made this with, you know, shooting film with my iPhone um, in the backyard. That's a wrap. Episode 59 is in the can. Um, Thanks to all for listening in. If you want to support this podcast, go to our webpage, ithinktheyreforifan.com. Click on the link that says donate, and then you can become a Patreon sponsor. Um, These are tough times, so don't give any more than 75% of your income. We'll see you next week.